Wolf on the Fold. 1935. It was the middle of winter and the middle of the Great Depression. On the morning, Kenny Sinclair set out to find a job. He was just 14. Three weeks ago, his dad had died. Fallen down in the back garden, where he was digging a trench for the potatoes. Heart, the doctor had said. Like a tree, Kenny had heard his mum telling Uncle Albert at the funeral. He went down like a tree. There were four children in the family besides Kenny. Dan and Joey, who were eleven and nine. Dolly, who turned six last October. And the baby, Tom. The Sinclairs had always been poor and scraped along as best they could. Now they were poorer still. The need to get money for food and for rent on the old house in Cross Street was like an iron bar laid flat across their necks, squashing their faces down into the ground. Even the baby. Mum said he was too young to understand, but he did know something you could see. He stayed awake in the crib beside the stove, watching them silently, his round dark eyes grown larger, sliding from face to face. The baby would be all right, though. If the worst came to the worst, little Tom would get to stay with Mum. The weight fell most heavily on Kenny, who had to leave school and find work. He didn't mind leaving. He hated school anyway. The shouting, the dull drone of recitation, the whizzy whack of the cane. He hated especially the smell of the cold back stairs, like chalk and a slaughter yard. First thing on a Monday morning, it made you want to be sick. He'd rather be out working. All the boys said this, chumming together behind the shelter shed at recess, kicking their heels, chafing at the useless hours spent learning stuff that wouldn't be a speck of use out there beyond the school. Only it was different now for Kenny, because he had to. He wasn't talk anymore, but that cold weight of iron pressing down upon his neck. He had to find work or the family would get split up. Nan could only take Mum and Tom, and Uncle Albert didn't want any of them. Dolly, it seemed, could go to Auntie Trish, Dad's sister down in Melbourne. Mum seemed unhappy with this idea. Melbourne was so far away, and Mum had only met Auntie Trish once, long ago, when she'd come up for Grandad's funeral. She hadn't come to Dad's. They all felt in their bones that if Dolly went to live with Auntie Trish, they might never see her again. Never to see Dolly again? How could such a thing ever happen? But they knew it could, because they knew anything might happen now. And Auntie Trish and Uncle George were different from them. They were rich. They lived in a big house beside the river, a house they owned instead of renting. They had a car, and their kids went to private schools. She'd be treated like a little servant, Mum whispered to Kenny when his brothers and sister were out of earshot. Though I suppose it's better than a home. Anything was better than a home. A home was where Dan and Joey would have to go. And Kenny too, if he couldn't find work. Dan and Joey said they wouldn't go. Never, never, never. They had this idea of running away to sea. Getting taken on as cabin boys in ships that sailed around the world. Because Kenny was older, he knew this idea was no more than a dream. The stuff of boys' adventure books. It was rubbish. Rubbish the pair of them talked up when they got scared in the middle of the night. You only had to think about it for a second, 
What ship would take on Dan and Joey? Young and runty as they were. Joey wore thick hospital glasses, one lens pasted with brown paper to correct his faulty sight. Dan looked eight instead of eleven, and he was the kind of loudmouthed squawky kid that older boys bashed up on sight. Even if a miracle happened and some kind captain took them on, the sailors would chuck Dan overboard the minute the ship left port. Dan and Joey would never be able to find their way to the sea. It was miles away, and if they ran off, they'd only get lost. Like Dolly, if she went to Melbourne, they might never be seen again. Kenny's mum woke him early. That morning he set out to look for work. When he came into the kitchen, his head still thick with sleep, she had the stove alight already and a big pot of porridge simmering on the top. The room seemed lovely to him, warm as a blessing, and it was ages since he'd been alone with mum like this.